0: InFocus, Up Close with Presbyopia podcast has been sponsored by Allergan and AbbVie Company. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, everyone. This is April Jasper, Chief Optometric Editor of Optometric Management Magazine. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the In Focus: Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Today, we're pleased to have Dr. Walt Whitley, Director of Optometric Services and the Dry Eye Clinic at Virginia Eye Consultants with us. Thank you for joining us, Walt.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss the impact that patient lifestyles can have on their presbyopia treatment. So let's jump right in. All right, Walt, you ready for this? So what we want to talk about is really that whole uh, concept of how a patient's lifestyle changes or factors into what we talk about with them in discussions of presbyopia. But I think if we start out first, by really talking about how often, let's be realistic, how often do you feel most optometrists are having conversations about presbyopia with patients? And then how do they differ, those conversations, depending on the doctor and the patient?
1: Hey, that's a great question. I can tell you one thing, it's gonna be a whole lot more uh, because when we look worldwide, there's over 2 billion people who are suffering from presbyopia, Just in the U.S., there's about 1.8 million new presbyopes each year. And so this is a conversation that we're going to have uh, more and more within our practices. Well, uh, to answer your question in regards to how many, I think it often depends on the type of practice that you're in. Um, Most optometric practices, I believe the number I've been hearing is anywhere between 30 to 40% of patients or the conversations are going to be around presbyopia just for the ages that are coming into the practice and, and patients as they present. In my practice, I work at a tertiary referral care practice and so we get a lot of referrals uh, from optometrists, but those are going to be either for laser vision correction, cataract surgery. And so for us, it's about 70% of our patients uh, within our practice that we are having that discussion uh, with, uh, with, the, with the patient about presbyopia. And so how do they differ depending on the doctor and the patient? Uh, well, the patient, it's all going to depend on the reason for their visit. And, you know, so if they're coming in for blurred vision, is just asking them more questions. And also, we can look at them, except, you know, kind of guess what their age is, unless you're looking at me and you're going to think I'm, like, 70. Uh, my brother, he's an OD, and he went to a meeting, and, and someone goes, hey, I saw your dad lecture the other day. He goes, oh, my no. Oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, uh, don't go by the hair, but uh, you know, just asking the patients the question, what's the reason for their visit? And I, w- I know we're going to go into a lot of these other questions about uh, lifestyles, narrow down to various options. And then from the doctor's perspective, you know, it, it, for me, yeah, I, I'm suffering from it now, but I'm just in that stage called denial. And so I'm just waiting for the exciting new products that are coming out, or when I'm forced to have to do it. But the other day, I had to get the It was the smallest print on the menu and I got that bright light out and I was taking a look at myself, but I suffered through it. So
0: yeah, you're one of those and and, but honestly, Walt, that's exactly what this is all about. This conversation is that everybody's in a different place as a patient and then uh, unfortunately or fortunately, our uh, experience as a doctor personally living through presbyopia can also affect how we have discussions with patients. So you talk about presbyopia a lot, probably more than most of us. What options are currently available for presbyopia that you find that you are talking about the most with patients? Whether that's because that's what you like to talk about, meaning the the option you talk about most because that's what you really are finding is working for patients, or whether it's just because that's where patients lead you? What do you say? What would you say that is?
1: So within my practice, in regards to presbyopia, I'm, we're pretty much talking about more the cataract refractive or cataract refractive options that the patient may have, whether it's going to be the extended depth of focus or the new trifocals that are out. But now we have combinations of both a multifocal and an EDOF lens that that's available. And so, if it's for cataract patients or uh, patients that are over 50, the, the, and they are in presbyopia, they're looking for refractive surgery options, uh, perhaps a refractive lens exchange may be an option with one of these presbyopic uh, correcting lenses. And so it's a once in a lifetime decision. And so we try to educate our patients throughout uh, the discussions that our referring doctors have with the patients as well. It's all about a journey and having that patient educate throughout. And so for us, the conversation is a lot easier because our referring doctors are having this discussion, saying you have cataracts, eventually you're gonna need cataract surgery. We can take care of it now with the glasses and the contact lenses, or for you, you may just need over-the-counter, over-the-counter reading glasses. But when it's time for surgery, then we have some great options for you. But you know, I'm gonna let you know when that is, and I'm gonna make that once in a lifetime recommendation. You know, For postoperatively, we also see the, uh, the, the cataract patients. And so, a lot of our cataract patients—they have the standard monofocal. They still want, you know, they see great in the distance, but they're having trouble reading up close. And we refer them to their optometrist for glasses. But they're like, "Well, I don't want to wear glasses. Are there any other options?" And so, the exciting thing I've been talking about is uh, are the various drops. We know that there's over a dozen companies working on drops for presbyopia. And so, that's what I'm waiting for. And I know my patients are pretty excited about that as well.
0: I love it. And, you know, one of the things I heard you say is that you know, and your team there knows that there are, let's not say side effects, but there are consequences for mm-hmm. not having the discussion of all these options with a patient because, like you said, it's a once-in-a-lifetime decision for some of the options you're presenting currently. So mm-hmm. what happens, what What have you seen has happened when someone, maybe not your team's, but someone forgets to mention to patients all the available options?
1: Well, the, pa- the patients are upset. And so they, I've had patients come in and say, my, my doctor or my surgeon or whoever did not make that recommendation. If I had that option, I would definitely have chosen that option. I mean, we all still see patients in any of our practices that, uh, may have had cataract surgery before, and they're like, well, "Can I just change this lens? Because I don't like this lens. I, I know I can see great in the distance, but I want that spectacle independence up close." Yes, you promised. You never promised me I'd never have to wear reading glasses for, um, uh, but you know, for the multifocal patients. But we still tell them, you know, near vision, there, you, know, you have to compromise for now. You may need uh, other options, whether it's going to be uh, over-the-counter reading glasses or or whatever right. it may be, but. Uh, There are numerous options. They're not happy if we don't set the stage for them uh, proactively.
0: Exactly. And then I'm I'm guessing, and I know it's true. I don't have to guess because I've heard you speak, and I, I love that you guys do this. But let me just ask you for our listeners. Does your team have what I call stop gaps in place to make sure that somewhere along the way, if not all along the way, patients hear about these other options?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that goes starting back with a referring optometrist, and we have seminars talking about it, Uh, and so the patients, by the time they get to us, are are pretty comfortable with the options. They don't say which option to get, but this, they do let the patient know there are options that are available. Uh, you know, with our practice, we do have to uh, educate the patients on all the available options, whether you know, right. they wanted to know about it or not, because that's part of the informed consent. And so we do have uh, counselors that talk to them about the various lifestyle lenses to make sure that the patients are making, uh, making their once in lifetime decision.
0: That's, you know, I love that. And I know that you, you mentioned it earlier, but tell us a little bit more about how you factor a patient's lifestyle into your treatment recommendations for them for presbyopia.
1: Well, we know many of our patients when it comes to presbyopia, you know, it, it's affecting their everyday lives. And so many of them want that freedom from, uh, from spectacles all the time. They want to look younger. They don't like to wear those, those glasses at the end of their nose. And, you know, sometimes it's a self-confidence thing as well that they, that they get concerned in. And so, you know, it's always important to have a continuous conver- conversation. If you're the referring optometrist, you know your patient. We all know our patients best, and uh, what their lifestyle is, how they use their eyes. You know, if they're a uh, minus two uh, myop and 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 need, looking for, uh, for for cataract surgery, since I'm talking about that, you know, if they take yeah. their glasses off for everything, then we're going to leave them there. That's might likely going to be their best option for their near vision needs, and 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 so. Um, just asking the, the, the question, we know that there are questionnaires, and we use them ourselves uh, about how the patients uh, do utilize their eyes, what they do on a daily living, what are their uh, hobbies? but you know, what are they struggling most with their vision? And what's most important? Do they want the best distance? Do they want good intermediate? Do they want uh, good near? Or are they willing or interested in a range of vision, understanding that as of now, there's always going to be a compromise with any of the decisions that they they do choose?
0: Do you find that when patients, either when patients come to you or when they leave, either way, do you find that many patients have more than one option that they're currently using or are wanting to use for presbyopia treatment?
1: Oh, definitely. And so we always want to under-promise and over-deliver. Um, and back to our practice with a lot of these multifocal and extended depth of focus lenses, we don't tell patients they're not going to need reading glasses. We say you're going to have that spectacle independence to do the majority of things that you want to do You, know, you know, when you're going golfing, playing tennis, uh, you know, reading uh, leisurely at night. But if for some instances it says you're going to need some over-the-counter reading glasses, if the patient uh, didn't choose one of those lenses, and, or let's say it's a LASIK patient, Yes, they're going to have great distance vision, so a younger 40, we'll we'll say even late 30-year-old patient, great distance vision. And we do let them know that eventually you're going to need some reading glasses. But down that uh, path, there's also going to be uh, monovision with contact lenses that they could utilize or down the road uh, if they want to wear multifocal contact lenses, that there's always an option. And, you know, they don't have to always be the glasses wearer with the bifocals all the time, they can mix and match. And that's where we come in is proactive prescribing, which I know you do a a lot of lecturing on and talking about as well, is saying, hey, you know, this is something I want you to consider because this is going to help you to address all the different activities that you do.
0: You know, I think, uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but what I think uh, happens a lot of times, and the reason why more people in our field don't have more conversations with patients is because it can take a lot of time. So how have you found that you've been able to really have these conversations and not have it take as much time and still get your point across and be effective in communicating with patients?
1: Yeah, and in anything that we do, we should all have scripts for any of the conversations that we have. And, you know, you don't want it too long because the patients are going to remember the long one. You just need to be short and, and to the point. And going back to the journey and in starting that journey and we already know what the reason for their visit is so what's affecting you most today well hey have you heard about this is an exciting new option we got this new multifocal contact lens i want you to try or right now what we're talking about hey in the next hopefully in the next six months we're gonna have an option where you can put a drop in your eye and having that excitement about the various technologies each time that patient comes in you don't have to go into every single one Yes, you can have patient education material that may have it that you give to the give to the patient, so they can read about the, the progressives and the contact lenses and the refractive lens exchange or future refractive surgery options. But you know, create the excitement within your practice. Always bring in something new. Always innovating your practice and offering those technologies to your patients.
0: So, Walt, as we uh, bring this uh, podcast to a close is there anything else that you think that we should talk about or anything you'd like to add about that the patient lifestyle factoring into their presbyopia treatment
1: yeah and you know this has been a great conversation i I think the biggest thing is going to be uh that journey again and having that conversation with the patient because it's inevitable i mean with 1.8 million patient or people. In the u.s each day becoming presbyopic i mean there's gonna be a lot of patients and so you know how to keep it short well you have short conversations about it each time they come in it's not affecting them yet but when it does asking those questions but i think the biggest thing is going to be making that strong recommendation what you feel is going to best serve your patients and meet your patients needs
0: Absolutely. What I think I'm hearing from you, and I love it, it's a good reminder for me and my practice and all of us listening, is that we really need to get to know our patients, understand that journey, and then be very consistent with how we have conversations with them in every way, but especially with presbyopia and even more so with new options coming out. Does that sound about right?
1: That sounds about right. We know our patients best and that lifestyle.
0: Well, it has been such a joy to have you on this podcast with me today. Walt, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of the In Focus, Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series.